Yeah, well, first of all, thank you both so much for those kind words and having me on the podcast. Uh, yeah, so I mean, how I ended up as community farm manager for the Kushna Food Forest and Farm this year is so much to do with my relationship with you, Michael, and uh, the way that you've been an inspiring leader and um, like have, I, I, the word pulled came to me. Like sometimes we're called to do things and other times we're pulled to do things. And, but it's like, it's so good. I'm so grateful for the ways that you have pulled me into getting like right into the heart of the action. And, um, right now the Krishna food forest and farm is such a beautiful example of what is possible with community in Salt Lake city. So, um, yeah, I just remember chatting with you and Naomi about it last winter. And um, I first came to Naomi like, so here's what you guys should do to make this a successful farming season next year. You should find somebody who is both passionate about farming and gardening and permaculture and also about organizing community volunteers and you guys were both like, well, uh, that uh, sounds like you. <laughs> and I wasn't trying to elect myself to the position, um, but I think it worked out really well. <laughs> it was in response to my own natural calling to be doing this work anyways. So, yeah. Yeah, so I know exactly. Um, it started for me in like 2014. I was having a whole bunch of health issues that I had tried to address with a lot of different um, like conventional ways. And then um, it was kind of like a light bulb hit me all at once that I realized that food is medicine. And I started to do research about agriculture and where my food comes from. And then I became educated on how, um, I mean, I don't even know how to put that into words, like all the ways that industrial agriculture is problematic and destructive to the earth and destructive to human health and the uh, you know balance of ecosystems. And, um, so I, so I changed my diet, honestly, is the answer. Like I, and it, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't going vegan. It wasn't, it was switching from conventionally grown food to almost entirely organic and non-GMO. And it was when I cut out GMOs from my diet that my health radically transformed. And it was like, on this cellular level within my body and within my soul, I had an understanding of how important it is. It, like this interconnected knowledge that it's not just, it's not just, um, it's not just not using pesticides and it's not just one thing. It's the, it's our whole attitude and relationship to, the life that we come from and are a part of. <laughs> and so that, that like awakening started in me. 
And then I could also point to, like, I had already been going through that. And then I took an amazing class at the University of Utah called Ecological Gardening. And at the time, it was taught by Susan Finlayson. So there's a little shout out to her. I know that she's a um, heavily involved with Wasatch Community Gardens and does a lot of important work there. And her at that time, her education and knowledge that she shared with me like clicked so much together. And that class got me involved with the local uh, food justice organizations in Salt Lake City, like Green Urban Lunchbox and Bug Farms. And um, there's another one that's no longer organized anymore. And that eventually led me to permaculture. <laughs> so I'll stop there. <laughs> Yeah, so my understanding is that this plot of land has been has been like a community garden in some way for many years. Um, but then it was you, Michael, and Naomi started really stewarding it and bringing in com community and hosting weekly potlucks in 2016. Is that right? 2017? 2017. And um, I just think I came on the scene sometime in 2017. Uh, and so just a little bit about the land. I believe it's around two acres total. And it's, um, it's owned by the Krishna Farm and it's leased to, I guess, Utah Permaculture Collective. And it's been stewarded by largely Michael by you, your leadership, and then in partnership with community members and community volunteers, the community that's been cultivated largely by the weekly potlucks that that you and Naomi have uh, offered for all the years. Thank you. 
Yeah. So I would say for one, just to describe the land itself. Um, so it's, it's been many years in the making, right? So I think that's important to keep in mind. I just visited another friend's urban farm today and it's only his second year. And, um, in the past it was just grass. And so he's dealing with a lot of crabgrass and bindweed and it's like, He's constantly battling weeds, but it's important to understand that that's what you're going to get in an urban environment. And so part of the beauty of the of the Krishna food forest and farm is that it is been loved for many years. Um, so it's also I want to share with whoever's listening that we have certain we have like 15 60 foot by four foot rows that are dedicated to uh, annual vegetable production for our CSA. And also there is, um, there's a greenhouse that's also doing tomatoes and cucumbers. So vegetable production for the CSA, but then also on the land is, uh, is like fruit trees and bushes and berries. And there's like wild feral, uh, there's a hill that's been cultivated by two community members um, who, who've done a beautiful job this year making a lot of biodiversity. So I'm, I guess I'm wanting to acknowledge that it's not just like a plot of land that's meant to produce, but there's already naturally a lot of biodiversity. So there's, um, there's so many, there's so much different life that's naturally happening on the plot. And I think that that's important to acknowledge. And then part of what I've been most inspired and impressed by this year is the element of community and partnership. So Michael, you and I partnered with your farm mentor, James Loomis from Wasatch Community Gardens at the beginning of the season. And we partnered with him to get a lot of our starts from his greenhouse and uh, his not farming knowledge. And so I think I'm wanting to acknowledge the importance of partnership that we can do so much more when we're working together and that the Krishna food forest and farm is like the, it's not an example of how much I'm doing because I'm doing, I'm giving a lot and I'm really invested and devoted into this farm, but it's, if it was just up to me, it would, there would be so many weeds, tons of crop failure because I, I couldn't do it all by myself. It's, it's because of how many people are coming together and because this is a piece of land that's known and loved by so many people in the community that I have probably two people tell me every week, hey, I just stopped by and pulled a few weeds and I hope you don't mind. I took a few leaves of kale and we do have an official policy to like not take food unless you <laughs> tell us about it. However, I think that all of those little 10 minutes of people just stopping by and maybe they're pulling weeds or maybe they're just having a walk around and being benefited by the beauty of the land, all of that is contributing to the, what people, to the beauty and to the experience. Like it is completely a collaboration with the community and the land.
Yeah, thank you for asking about that and bringing it up. Um, as far as my, um, I, I mean, I think that grief is the ultimate healer, and it's like the key that oh, that it really is what transforms and transmutes um, brokenness into wholeness again, and so. I personally have been attending and participating in grief rituals for the past six months on a regular basis um, that are being offered on Zoom right now with this COVID moment. Um, and so I'm a big advocate of formally coming together and holding space for, so creating space for grief. Um, I was introduced to Francis Weller. He's a grief teacher uh, by Michael, your wife, Naomi, introduced me to Francis. And that was last year. And reading his book, Wild Edge of Sorrow, which I highly recommend, uh, just completely, it was another one of those moments in my life where it was like everything came together and it just made crystal clear sense. Um, and so... Um, that was when I learned about how humans have gathered and, and, and held space for grief and had grief rituals for thousands of years. And that's something that's totally missing in our society right now. But it's like this missing link that the human spirit really needs space to lay down our sorrows and lay down our grief instead of... So there's this difference between um, when we, we all have grief um, and right now in this present moment, we might have, we might have like <laughs> COVID related grief or like election related grief or like wildfire related, like just name it. Right. Um, or we have grief from personal losses and childhood trauma. And, um, so we have all of this and, um, and yeah, we need, we need a container. We need a space where instead of being consumed by it, because it's there, whether we acknowledge it or not, it's there. And just by creating a container, we can bring our grief and set it down. And that's the, that's the community element. Uh, that's where we can come together and we can acknowledge our sorrows and our anger and other feelings like maybe terror or shame and it can be held and then the community, the, the container gets to hold it and not, it doesn't have to be like inside of, inside of us, inside of our bodies. Um, yeah. And not, and I don't want it to be, it can sound so negative or dark or heavy. Um, or if you're so much consumed in grief and you haven't done the work of processing it and getting it out of stagnation and moving it out of your body, you might not have a firsthand experience. So I just like invite whoever's listening to trust me that when you start to do this work of just getting that movement happening and getting it flowing, you will come to see grief work as the, as the ultimate healer. <laughs> it's the balm. It's the medicine.
Yeah. So I like how you brought up um, that like the majority of farmers are old white men. I think that's what you said. Uh, so for me, sometimes I want to tell people I am, it's not gardening or farming that I'm passionate about. It's being in relationship with the land. It's being in relationship with soil, with microbes, with plants, with the insects, animals, with weather, with sunshine, with wind patterns, with the rain. It's being in relationship with the life around me. And so a farmer, you could like, you know, like a conventional farmer who's growing like GMO, soy and corn is in relationship with the land. Um, that's true, but it's, it's not holistic. Um, and it, it's not, um, well, and I, I don't want to like, I, I would say that it, you know, if I'm thinking about like industrialized, uh, large scale with a lot of chemicals and machinery, it's, there is a disconnect from the life that we're, that we're part of. And, um, so for me, I just want to emphasize that it's coming back and reconnecting to life. There's some sort of like invisible spark that's happening inside of my heart and the life, the life that I'm connecting with when I'm touching soil or when I'm putting a seed into the ground. Um, There's like a heartful, soulful connection that's happening. That's, it's spiritual in nature. And I think that's important to just acknowledge and say.
Yeah, so I think there's like a two-part answer. Um, the first is just that with anything that has the legs to last, there ha your heart ha it has to be led by heart. Your heart has to be in it. You have to really be in love with what you're doing. You have to be having the experience of of being in love with the garden. Uh, and so first it's like, I have a friend who lives in on like the top floor of an apartment down in town. And I like to me to be that far away from, from like a bumblebee or soil wouldn't work for me, but she's okay there. Right. And it's okay that we're all different, but so she is growing like these little tiny tomato plants on her patio and um, she gets like five cherry tomatoes every year that she does this. But it's this, there's this connection for her. Like she is brought alive by that plant. Like that's, that is what she needed. And I, I'd, like, I think that's good. I advise people to operate in the scope of like where that love, where that excitement and life is. Um, so that's where there's going to be sustainability and longevity and being led by this like longing inside of yourself for what is it that you're longing for? Are you longing for, um, yeah, I mean, it's different for everybody, but being led by that soulful longing is my, um, advice. And then it, knowing that for it to be okay, that that answer for you looks different than for someone else. Like not everybody is going to be called the way that I have to, run a community garden and that's okay. Um, and then my second answer, second part of that question, as far as I think what you were asking about is like, how do we, is it almost like, how do we avoid burnout or how do we like keep, keep going or have some longevity? Is that right? Am I understanding? Yeah, so I think Yeah. Yeah. Um so I mean it's things that we've already talked about, but I guess if I could take a second to highlight the power of community. So and I think the like the practical secret to building community it's Michael and Naomi, you modeled so well, and Ricky, you as well, holding potlucks, is gathering together once a week. And I know that right now in this moment of COVID, we can't come together and have a potluck, but I, I am feeling really strongly to share this message that we, I think like right when there was March and everything was canceled, everybody just like went into hiding and like kind of got the the wind taken out of our sails as far as the community element of coming together. Um, and I can't be an expert about like um, epidemiology in a pandemic or anything like that. But I have recently felt so deeply inspired to share the message of like how important it is for us to still be in whatever COVID safe way that we can still be nourishing and cultivating community 
So right now when it's warm outside, it's quite safe to gather in a socially distanced way outside. Um, so I, I think the, the key is, is community. Um, I think like personally, I'm talking to burnout, like not necessarily with permaculture or gardening and farming, but just right now in this moment where we are having, we're going into like month six of social distancing. And I'm thinking about all of these people who like so many people are living in an apartment building alone, single people who might not have somebody to hug on a daily basis. And so I want to like share the message that, um, everybody should have somebody to hug um, or having like even even like a small pod of people who um, who you can still get that like deep human connection with to hug and to cook dinner together like the the human experience of cooking and preparing food I think is what we've brought to our weekly potlucks um, that we I'm not advising a potluck right now but if you can find like one person in your life who you can safely trust to come together on a regular basis to, to cook meals together. Um, I, I have felt really strongly recently about the import about the importance of that at this moment in time. Um, and then uh, with um, here, I just wanted to pull it up. I had a note that I wrote down. Oh, also I would say, putting boundaries on our social media use, um, the importance of still cultivating the, the spaces where natural conversation can happen, where we come together and we spend a couple of hours together and we leave with like new ideas that we didn't even know that we needed, or like suddenly the solution to a certain problem has come forward just because people spent time together. And I might not, I'm, again, I'm not advocating for, um, not doing social distancing, but finding a way to still be doing that, I think is so important right now in this time, is like still bringing our heads and our hearts together. That, that's the key. Yeah, that's a big question. Um, and I mean, I bet if I, 
If I thought, yeah, if I thought about it longer, I bet I'll come up with like an answer I would have wanted to share. But what first comes to mind is like the word fracture came to me. And I think of like a bone that's like fractured into a lot of different pieces. Like right now on a collective societal level, we're not, we're split, we're fractured. Um, We really are. And so uh, I think it just everything that I've just been talking about, the importance of human connections, heart-to-heart human connections, and finding more ways that we understand each other and more ways that we are working towards the same things rather than emphasizing over and over the ways that we're fractured, the ways that we're different. is I'm just thinking about on a collective level with society right now um and I think well yeah I could keep going but we're gonna say something Michael
thank you so much for everything that you just shared. Um, you just painted such a nice picture of what that piece of land is. Um, well, while you were talking, what was coming to mind was this like picture that I saw recently. Um, and it's somewhere in my phone, but I won't be able to find it. But it was a it was a photo of a sign that somebody else had in their community garden that said, um, okay, here it is. If something is not eating your plants, then your garden is not part of the ecosystem. And I was thought like I, when I saw that, I was reminded of just like the day before there was a volunteer in the garden who was pointing out how many like holes there were in the kale leaves. And I just responded and said, like, yeah, we share we share our kale with the earwigs, too. <laughs> kale, this kale, we don't just grow it for us. We also grow it for the for the ear for whoever is here to eat it. Um, and I also while you were talking, thought of like the c community volunteer who came in and picked my like prize winning banana squash that I was like looking forward to grow seeing it like quadruple in size and like harvesting it in November. And she just didn't know and picked it ahead of time. And, um, and that's okay. Uh, it, it was like, I think that what I'm wanting, what I'm wanting to get at is that, so my understanding with like, um, insects in the garden is that 95% of insects in the garden are neutral or beneficial and only 5% can be considered a pest. And I think about in working with community, I don't want to say anyone is a pest, but I would say the large majority of community is going to just come and be beneficial in some direct or indirect way that might be really hard to measure, just like the same with insects or biodiversity. And then there might be like the small like occasional times where somebody will pick your prize winning banana squash ahead of time. But like, that's okay because that's like, we want everybody. We want like the whole ecosystem of people coming and participating of every different, you know, background or walk of life, like contributing and having something to offer. And there is like direct and indirect benefits to the, to the land because the, the, this Krishna food forest and farm is highly productive. Like it is putting out more food than we budgeted or planned for. And we've been like scrambling to find out what to do with this produce. Uh, so it's, it's highly productive on a strictly vegetable scale, <laughs> but it's also, um, it's also so nourishing to people. And I really believe that it's beneficial to, this little mini ecosystem where, where it is, it's beneficial to the birds who live there. It's beneficial to the insects. Like there's, I want to believe that there's like microbes in the soil there that aren't in the nursery soil next door, the conventional, um, pesticide nursery that's next door, you know? Um, so I don't know if I just got off on a tangent or if that like spoke to what you were wanting to get at, <laughs> but I just thought like, yeah, every single person who comes to the garden is beneficial and has something to offer. And so I guess when you were speaking to like, um, yeah, people like how could other farms be inspired by this model? It's like really believing that the community has value. The community has something valuable to offer. And it's learning to see that in every person who comes to the garden has something to offer. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. I think everybody's different. Uh, and some people are more like, I, I am such an extrovert. <laughs> I can only speak to my personal experience as being so extroverted and so community oriented. Um, some people just want to be in their backyard and not necessarily engage with community. And it's harder for me to speak to. Um, I got started like my whole journey with gardening. I have never once kept a garden at my own home where I live in all the years of gardening and farming. I, I mean, maybe one place where I um, rented, I've like had a few tomato plants, but otherwise the vast majority of my gardening and farming experience has come from showing up in these community organizations in both like formal nonprofits, especially I have to give a shout out to Green Herb and Green, Green Herb and Lunchbox and how, I mean, this is for anyone who's listening, who's in Salt Lake City, who wants to, who doesn't have any skills or knowledge and wants to get involved and start to learn how gardening. I highly suggest going to the Green Urban Lunchbox for getting like a, 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 a plus education about how to do, uh, you know, backyard gardening. Um, you don't need to have your own land. You can come together. There are people who are already pioneering this and creating opportunities for you. So there's that. It's knowing that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to do it alone. There's already an amazing, strong community in Salt Lake. And um, yeah, I think, I think that's my answer. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I do. Um, I want, I've, well, first of all, there's this quote that I shared recently that I would love to just read and share here that has deeply inspired me. Um, and it might speak to, I mean, yeah, you can see for yourself if this speaks to you. Um, but before I read it, I guess to summarize what's really alive and on my heart right now is is this invitation to come, to still come together in the ways that we can. And to like, if you've been in your apartment alone, mostly alone for the last five months, like go get outside and touch soil and touch the earth with your bare feet and um, spend some time in nature. Spend some time just watching a spider spin its web or like grass flowing in the wind 
and make sure you hug someone this week. And if you don't have someone in your life who you can stand next to and chop vegetables with, make that a priority. Um, And there's plenty of community gardens, especially the Krishna Food Forest and Farm. If you're in Salt Lake City, please come see us. And then I wanted to finish with this quote. It's from Meg Wheatley. And she is lives here in Utah. And she has this training called Warriors for the Human Spirit. And um, this, is, this is her description of Warriors for the Human Spirit. So she says, Dark times always threaten the human spirit. People forget they can be generous, kind, and creative. They forget that humans get through dark times by staying together. Whatever forces have created physical suffering, pandemics, wars, tyrannies, natural disaster, the true threat is when fear turns into hatred and hatred turns into violence. These barbaric behaviors camouflage who we humans truly are, caring, aware, vibrant human spirits who want to be together to do good for those we love to do good for what we care about in dark times in every culture there are always a few people only a few who step forward to protect the people they dedicate themselves to serving others to relieving suffering to embodying the best human qualities so that others may remember what it means to be a good human being to stay present, to be steadfast, to persevere, to resist temptations, to hold the pain and suffering. These few people dedicate themselves to this work. And my guess is that if you're listening to this podcast, that just spoke to you. Warriors for the human spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do. Yeah.